and welcome to the ARC Audio Book Club. Today we'll be talking about The Repetition by the Danish philosopher Søren Kierkegaard. The book bears the subtitle An Essay in Experimental Psychology and it's one of the pseudonymous works by Kierkegaard and published under the name Constantine Constantinus. This self-published book from 1843 is a potential forerunner of Neil Strauss's famous self-help book, The Game. But in the repetition, we learn, among other things, how to get rid of the ladies. (laughs) 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 But we also learn what it takes to lead a happy life. And here to talk about this is Sherry Helberg. Hello. Charlie Casarino. Hello. And Macon Holt. Hello. So this book consists of three parts, and we'll begin with the first. But Macon, can you recap the story first? Yeah, so um, Constantine, writing in the first person, uh, makes up a young man (laughs) who he claims to have been friends with in order to make a point about the nature of repetition in relationship to an ethical life. And then it ends. (laughs) No, I mean, like, the the, the young boy, he he, he falls in love with a... um, with a woman, and then of course that awakens the poet in him, which means that he gets terrified of the relationship and, and has to make it end. So Constantine forms a plan for him, which is to be a dick for a year, including like <laughs> paying a woman to um, pretend to be in a relationship with him. The boy chickens out because his plan is psychotic. <laughs> uh, Constantine muses about the nature of farce for far too many pages. Only to uh, come back to find that his um, his staff hadn't efficiently cleaned his house at some point. <laughs> and then he finds a series of letters from the young poet uh, explaining exactly the valuable lesson he learned by trying to keep away from Constantine. Um, and then it ends by Constantine revealing that it had been an entire, a charade the entire time. Yep. I mean, and the then, other way of saying it is uh, Danish guy, as has happened for centuries and will continue to happen, has some kind of crisis and decides to go to Berlin. <laughs> he doesn't come back a DJ, but he might as well have. <laughs> we have our narrator, who is this demonic character who's called Constantine. And he's been wondering for some time if a repetition is possible. So he decides to go to Berlin. Uh, but is it before or after he meets the young guy? Because he he, he says he goes to Berlin, but then 20 pages later, he actually goes to Berlin. Yeah. But in between that, he says, okay, so the point is, he wants to know if a repetition is possible. Right. And then he wants to like highlight, oh, well, um, emphasize that it's not the same as a recollection. And in order to illustrate that, he has the whole story of this young man. Um, and that is a very tragic love story, proving that recollection is not possible. Re- re- recollection, re- repetition is not possible. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Recollection is possible, but it will make you fiercely unhappy. Right. Uh, repetition is not possible according to our narrator. Right. But according to our young man, but that's the second part. It's very possible. Right. And I think it's two different repetitions they're talking about, but we'll get to that. That probably would mm-hmm. help to know. Does anyone know what is meant by repetition by either party? Well, I think there's the existential yeah. part of it, which right. our Constantine, our friend mm-hmm. has. Mm-hmm. Um, and then... And it's more like an aesthetic way of life that he has um, than the young guy. At least it's presented like that, right? There's the existential part where you take, you make a choice to make a repetition and make life a repetition and Mm -hmm. live it forward. 
mm-hmm. uh, instead of living it backwards, which mm-hmm. is what recollection is, which is what yeah. the Greeks did. Yeah. Um, but repetition is more like a, almost a Christian thing, right? Because mm-hmm. it it moves forward mm-hmm. because we have like Christ in the distance mm-hmm. and the mm-hmm. distance and the second coming. Mm-hmm. And for the Greeks, it was all about remembering. Um, but to him, it seems more existential, and you make a choice, and then mm. you stick to it. Yeah. And then he, but he doesn't really make a choice, though. He goes to Berlin to see if it's possible. <laughs> um, and then we have yeah. the young guy, who is just waiting for like lightning to strike or the thunder to happen, uh, which is not a choice either. It's something that happens to him, out of the blue, God's intervention. Um, yeah. And then it's very possible for him. He says. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering, is mm-hmm. it really? So it's because he like, seems very sorry, manic, and mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So it seems like there's, I think, this kind of duality in repetition as a concept that the book's dealing with, which is repetition as this sort of philosophical or aesthetic concept, and repetition as a gesture. So the book starts with, say, Constantine's. Him philosophizing, that's a word. Philosophizing. <laughs> philosophizing, exactly. <laughs> about um, about the nature of repetition and what it can mean. But then what he actually chooses to do is to just go on a trip that he's already taken before, <laughs> mm. which is a very sort of straightforward thing to do. Um, but it seems that something with repetition, that the problem with it has to do with this, is it a philosophical concept or an aesthetic concept or a theological concept or is it a sort of an everyday activity? Um, and I think that's what comes out even in the, the first sentence when he talks um, in the book. It starts with this uh, anecdote of sorts. Um, when the Eli... Gio, will you help me? Do you know how you pronounce it? <laughs> what they're called? Eliatics? I think they're called Eliatics. Eliatics. Yeah. Um, denied motion. Diogenes, Diog- okay, I shouldn't have. Diog- <laughs> Diog- <laughs> Diog- Diogenes. 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 Okay. Okay. Yeah. When the Iliadics denied motion, Diogenes, as everyone knows, came forward in protest, actually came forward because he did not say a word, but simply walked back and forth a few times, with which gesture he believed he had sufficiently refuted the Iliadic position. So already in this first line, there is this problem being set up of gesture versus thought. So mm. action that you take versus... Mm. theory in mm-hmm. a way or practice versus theory mm-hmm. and did you also know just like from this first sentence um there are so many metaphors of like motion um and it's all about motion versus mm. standing mm-hmm. still mm-hmm. and it's all about like movements mm-hmm. and it's also um there's something that comes up at the beginning and then i haven't really found it again afterwards but he also contrasts this so the sort of triangle he sets up is that you have hope on one on one side looking backwards. Uh, sorry, you have you have recollection looking backwards, you have hope looking forwards, and both of these are sad, <laughs> shall we say. <laughs> They're both elicit yeah. sort of despair of some sort because either because because they're intangible mm-hmm. for what for Illustrated uh, by women. Like, hope is a pretty girl who slips away from one's grasp. Recollection is a beautiful older woman who never quite suits the moment. <laughs> okay, right, exactly. And so the, the idea, if we, if you think of that as a triangle, then you've got this... <laughs> I don't know why I went for a triangle. I'm clearly, I'm clearly trying to be structuralist. I'm failing. But on the... And then in between, you have this idea of repetition. Mm which seems connected to 
to time. So the, yeah. uh, the, the, the fundamental problem is kind of we are... Mm. Is the the problem is the moment, right? Which is yeah. where the Eleatics mm. come into play. It's mm. the problem of like, what is the moment? It's this sort of strange moment where you're mm. caught between the past and the future, mm -hmm. and repetition seems to be a way of rescuing that in a productive yeah. way. Yeah. It is a kind of presence, it seems like. And on the second page, he says, repetition is actuality and the earnestness of existence. So it's this kind of impossible presence or like the impossible, well, it turns out to be impossible condition of being fully in the moment, as mm. you might say. And <laughs> But it's always got that temporality in, like implied in it as well. It's like not just in the moment, but it's in a moment going to the future. Mm -hmm. So it's like a moment that is like welcoming. It's because I think there's something to, to me what was troubling me with like this text. Is I thought, wow, this is repetition's the wrong concept for this because it's not repetition. It's like the um, it's like the the, the re referential uh, sameness that allows one to be a consistent object in the world mm. and like relatively consistent, not like absolutely consistent. And so I was like, this isn't repetition the whole time. <laughs> yeah, but that makes sense. I mean, it's a kind of conscious presence, yeah. you could say. Yeah. Maybe. It's recurrence or, or reoccurrence, not re like recurrence in the kind of like, but it's like a, yeah. Is sorry. the English, is the fact that we keep saying repetition, is the English the problem? Is it, does it make more sense in Danish? Other, no, does it because have that's gente, isn't That is a repetition. Mm. 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 But even but in even in the which which mean does it have a literal meaning to it? I was reading something about it was like taking back or something or holding or yeah in that sense yeah it's like Again. retaking yeah. yeah 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 which is interesting right because it's the, there's a because that you could contrast that with recollection. Recollection is sort of looking at something mm. again. Mm. What and repetition is is actually yeah. grasping that thing again. Yeah. So that that you're sort of taking something and moving it, and potentially there is a sort of mm. something that you can hold onto to move yeah. forward. It's like some sort of like identity insistence thing that you're going to take hold of. You're going to claim, lay claim to something, and then again and again and again. But it might it might differ situationally because I mean just going to like going to Berlin means you're not where you were before so how's the repetition happening here like it's it, you've already made differences happen so there's something else you're talking about some, some sort of uh, faithful persistence perhaps if, if that's there would it be fair to say that there's pretty much like three versions of this then there's like an aesthetic and ethical and a religious one where the ethical one is sort of I've messed up how do we how do we make this right again yeah. Yeah. The, the aesthetic is like, basically, I want to capture this moment again, or I mm. want to feel strongly. Mm. And I think some other people are better placed to get to the religious side, but the religious side is presumably... It's a repetition, I think. Yeah. Um, or again, tales. Yeah. Um, I, one thing that like reoccurs, I don't think it happens here, but like the religious movement for him is that you have to, and it's, I think it's quite contradictory, but you have to lose everything. Yeah. Um, and then you will gain it in, like by, mm. by help from God. Mm. Um, but I mean, once you know that, <laughs> are you really losing anything, everything? Um, but, and then everything will be a repetition. I think it's way better illustrated in the Fear and Trembling book. Um, 
Yeah. But yeah, I mean, this guy is too much fun. Like, he can't do a repetition. <laughs> no. Um, Despite his name being so... <laughs> repetition, yeah. Although, it's, although it's not really about repetition so much as it is constants. Yeah. Because a lot of... It strikes me that a lot of the um, the language that Constantinus uh, uses around repetition is all very, like, comfortable mm. and homely mm. and it's all about it's all kind of him wanting to sort of maintain things yeah. you know yeah um, yeah it's not like it's kind of like my vision of a monastic repetition where you wake at the same hour every day then you go water the same plant and you eat four grains of rice then you meditate for four hours and then you take a run around the, and then blah, blah, blah and so on and so on and so on like that every day it's not that it's no exactly it's yeah. not sort of uh, liturgical <laughs> <laughs> which if only it was. But, I mean, he says in the beginning of the first part that uh, repetition is the new category that must be discovered in modern philosophy. And I think mm. that was what you were saying, Sherry, that there were two things to this, like the concept and the actual acts. But, mm -hmm. Like, can you even discover a repetition? Like, is it a repetition if you discover it? Isn't there then something new to it? Yeah, that seems like, yeah, part of the tension is that the way that he's trying to find it in these sort of everyday activities don't line up with the theory that he's making or the way that he's writing about the concept. Mm. Um, it doesn't, when he goes to Berlin, that experience just doesn't add up to the sort of the concept that he wants to make in a way. So there's some fundamental, it seems, disalignment between, I don't know, yeah, reality and um, philosophy or something like that. And then there's the negative version of it when he goes to Berlin, he's there for a while and he says the only thing that that repeated itself or the only thing that is repeated is the impossibility of a repetition. <laughs> like that keeps on happening. <laughs> Which of course is a repetition and therefore making a repetition possible. But it is funny <laughs> that he, yeah, it, like what it... I kept wondering, what is he expecting is going to happen? Because he, yeah, he just sort of goes and does the same things that he's done before. So, I mean, is that not a repetition in mm. itself? Yeah. But then he's expecting that there'll be something else that happens on top of that. Yeah. Um, which doesn't. Mm. But maybe, for example, I think each of these has a slightly... So if you want to take the Berlin example, presume that is that would be an example of the aesthetic idea of repetition, right? where you're trying to get at the same mood. Mood is a mm. word that he, like, mm. I feel like mood is actually the word that he ends up <laughs> using way more than repetition about all kinds of things. It's kind of repeating a mood, repeating an idea. Mm. Um, and part of it is like trying to find the ideal apartment uh, and the frustration of not doing that. But where, where fast comes into mm. it, I think there is, you can make an argument for why he chooses fast there. And as I say that, I start to stumble in trying to make that argument. <laughs> I would say that, the th so one of the things that he latches onto about Fars, Fars is fundamentally in his description of it about the moment. It's not a, uh, it's not something that you can work on on this intellectual or interpretive mm. level. It mm. is about uh, responding to individual moments mm. and characters these characters interestingly don't really have arcs they're they're sort of more eternal um, mm. archetypes rather than they are 
rather than being actual characters. It's about the loft and it's more about the audience. It's in his description of it, which is probably like one of the nicest passages is in this way. He can, he can be quite obdurate, but in this one, it's sort of quite sweet. And now I'm struggling to get at it. But he has a lovely description of being in the, in the theatre mm. and basically not even really looking at the stage, but being right at the back of the box and sort of feeling that he's in the mouth of a, a whale and he can just hear these noises, these sounds. <laughs> and that's, it seems that that's what he's trying mm. to repeat. Mm. Which should be possible in fast, right? Yeah. yeah, because it's kind of about that noise. But of course, something else comes in. It's still about. Mm. It's not something that you can just get at because of immediacy. Yeah, it's also what you bring to it, and yeah. it's also what else you're seeing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't return to the theater to make yourself feel like you did that time when you were feeling good. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And he's almost like too individualized, doesn't he? It's like he's yeah. reflected himself out of the world, just like boom, 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 boom. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, in a very, very kind of frightening and sociopathic way. Uh, yeah, and I want to talk about him also because I forgot to say there is this. Um, have any of you read either or? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Okay. That was, I mean, Which one have you read? <laughs> In 1843, he published uh, Either Or and The Repetition and Fear and Trembling, uh, plus, I think, three speeches. Wow. Um, yeah. <laughs> Megan. Three books in one year. <laughs> yeah, I know. But in that, um, there are two parts to that book. And in the first part, we have like the aesthetic uh, person who's called A, and that could be this guy. They have a lot in common. Like he talks in aphorisms and he analyzes uh, Don Juan by Mozart. And um, it's really, uh, he's like, he's an observer like this guy. And then the second part, his friend, what's he called, Judge William, mm-hmm. uh, writes to him about him so that's really we learn about the first person uh by um when we read uh what jess william has written but he asks him at one point um it's like trying to sneak it in and prove that this guy is a good person after all and he asks him what would you do if a young person came to you and confided in you um and asked for your help And I mean, here we have the proof because he never answers those letters. I mean, he will fuck that person up. <laughs> yeah. So what, what can we what can we say about what, because, as you mentioned right at the beginning, like the the the, the other title for this is like a, an essay in experimental psychology, and presumably, really, the, the main psychology is this weirdo. Right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so like, who that who is he? So he's like. So there are some, he, he's an older guy. He doesn't have to be that old, though. Well, he, he, yeah, older. but the way he presents yeah. himself yeah, yeah. is always with and reference. He, and he also talked about how like, he would have taken the young girl off the guy's hands if he hadn't been so old himself. Mm. Off, off the young poet's hands. But so considering that we, I imagine that the young girl is about 12, then... Well, I mean, also, yeah, no, it doesn't exist. Poet doesn't exist, young girl doesn't exist, man's sitting alone. <laughs> Well, also, it doesn't exist, I guess. <laughs> Megan, you can't be too <laughs> Within the fiction of the, of the book. Yeah, but that's an interesting thing to talk about. Is this book successful as a fiction? If we consider it a fiction, do we consider it a fiction? No. And what is, yeah. It's not. I mean, the characters aren't, but, but I think the main character is 
um, like this guy who is like overly individualized and spends too much time alone. I mean, what would he be today? He would be online a lot, right? He would be <laughs> in the forest, um, yeah, would be like writing YouTuber. really long posts on Reddit. Um, mm. Probably 4chan, actually. 4chan. Well, the way he's like hiring women to like stay in a, in a hotel. He's a YouTuber. But isn't that just a hub for pedophilia now? Well, in fact, I just don't think it's that far away from his. Okay. Like, like I think it's. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, he would be—he'd be some sort of um, rational guy on the internet, being all rational until like yeah. owning the fucking libs with their feelings and not desires not to spend a year tricking a young woman in order to get out of a relationship. Instead, just running away nobly. Like He's mainly defined by what he isn't, really, yeah. isn't he? Because he is bookish, but he's not an actual academic. Mm. Mm. He doesn't. Yeah, he's, he mostly just doesn't do things. Mm. He's, he's definitely wealthy. Mm. He's mm. enormously interested in this young man. Yeah, like the way he describes him is. <laughs> yeah, he's actually he's very into beautiful. This. He's yeah, exactly. really into him. Um, <laughs> it was about a year ago I began to take serious notice of a young person with whom I had heretofore often had contact because there was something enticing in his attractive appearance mm. and the determined look in his eyes, mm. the way he tossed his head, a certain flippancy in his expressions. And then he goes on to say, that seductive age when the spirit declares its maturity, just Ooh. as the body does at a much earlier age, See. by a frequent breaking of the voice. <clears throat> and then he had become close to him. Ooh. <laughs> and his appearance was more dramatic than usual, his form more beautiful, his large, luminous eyes were dilated. In short, he appeared transfigured. Yeah. I mean, this guy is he's a voyeur. And he yeah, really wants this young man voyeur. for himself. He wants to get rid of this girl. It's his idea to get rid of her. Yeah. And has he, like, externalized his core into this young person because that was what I was thinking when I was reading it the first time it's a good way to do some repetition generationally mm-hmm. um, I don't know I think more that he's placed a lot of I don't know I don't, it doesn't seem that sincere connection mm. it doesn't seem like this, like the sincerity of living vicariously through another person where you really want them to do something for you it's more like I want to see what happens when I do this to yeah. this. it's more like, more like yeah. an experimental Experimental psychology. <laughs> Experimental psychology. Yeah. Um, I think maybe what I think I, I... Does anyone have any thoughts about when once the, uh, the, young, the young poet uh, starts speaking back? Because that's like about, you know, a third of the, of the book is, is him voicing a description of Constantino. And I was... Yeah, sort of. But I was also thinking because is this like a reverse Bildungroman um, <laughs> of this guy starting in Copenhagen, going to Berlin, coming back to Copenhagen, and then we have the young poet, Copenhagen... Stockholm, and then not coming back. But does he learn any? He does learn something, but just. But possibly the wrong thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he learns that yeah. he'll love the young woman forever because she got married to someone else, and that's the best thing she could ever have done for him. It's very perverse. But he goes to Berlin to see if the repetition is possible, mm. and then the young guy goes to Stockholm, yeah. and mm-hmm. he finds the repetition. Yeah. This guy doesn't. But, but I think it's important to think about how these two characters relate to each other, because especially comparing it to a book like Either Or, the two main figures in that book very much have a purpose in illuminating or illustrating 
um, what Kierkegaard is trying to mm-hmm. illustrate. So they're not, I guess, fictional characters in that sense, that they seem to always serve a purpose and that there's something maybe going on in the relation of these two, especially when in the end, the last few pages of the book are, are addressed to the reader, um, which is a kind of third inscribed character like, or presence. It's like the opposite of a Socratic dialogue. Yeah. <laughs> There's no dialogue. Yeah. And it's a Socratic dialogue, but all like, the characters are fully drawn, <laughs> like even the one that just says, oh yes, Socrates, how brilliant Socrates. <laughs> but Kierkegaard loves yeah. Socrates. Uh, oh, yeah. But... I know what I'm just saying, so yeah. I think that's but, probably a I mean, presence somehow. Yeah, it's just more that I was thinking that, like, does this even work at the level of character and fiction? Yes, that was my question before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and I don't know if it, I think, now I'll answer it. <laughs> I don't think it does. Like, the problem is I'm reading this and I'm reading it like, okay, so what, so it, this is all argumentative moves, right? This is all, um, like, this is all intention. like, there's no, there's nothing, nothing's really superfluous in this, it's all... But yeah, I mean, it's all very much directed towards the telos where you're going to understand the repetition is both essential and impossible. But also, it's the but, complete opposite, of right? That, that because so much is like completely contingent, and whatever he's trying to argue about, <laughs> none of us is really that mm. clear on it. Mm. So yeah, yeah. So if yeah. that's what he's trying to do, <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's not. He's that's not really what he's doing. Yeah, he's trying to mask it, and he's done really well at masking it, while also making it very clear that he's masking something, <laughs> I think. I, yeah. But, I mean, you could say that fictionality or the uh, pseudonymous mm-hmm. <laughs> quality mm-hmm. of yeah. the <laughs> works, that there's something going on there that um, rather than write a work of theory or something or write like Hegel um, by writing something with characters then you're able to introduce multiple perspectives mm-hmm. in a way that you wouldn't be able to in traditional philosophical writing yeah. um, it's certainly more like um, uh, it's got pedagogical a, pedagogical but also a better, better like a economy of write of um, pages than Hegel would have so I think that <laughs> might, like maybe maybe there is some to the fictional compression where he's managed to get a lot of stuff done through being you know, momentarily flippant, just like to get to the point, like rather than illustrate why I think Hegel's a dick, I'm just going to mock modern philosophy for a bit <laughs> and then move on to move, move on to what I think is more important. And I think I appreciate that for sure. Um, but as you were saying, Charlie, we don't, it's quite well disguised what it is that he <laughs> thinks. Yeah. I mean, this is again why I kind of return to the idea of mood. I'm kind of mm. interested, like, it seems that's something that they're super interested in. And I think maybe this is more of a mood than it is like an argument. I think it's more mm. a, a, a sort of environment in which you can think. Right. As opposed to like a clearly defined argument that you're supposed to go, oh, yeah, sure, fine. I, I get that at the end of it. Right. That it. Interesting that, like, within that is actually the space with which is what I think is what I'd say is what fiction does, which mm. is a space, a mood in which to mm. to think your own thoughts, to mm. to compare these, and and to think more deeply again into what the um, what, what the uh, how can I put it the intentionality is, or what you know <laughs> what other things are going on in, in the. Uh, in the background. So it's like the text just narrowed, narrows down the vector of like possible conclusions to like maybe from like 180 degrees down to like 45 and you just kind of like sit there 
you can't know for you can't know for sure, but you just like move around. You've been, you've been invited to look through a particular window. Well, we could we could maybe say, yeah. What what is it pointing towards? Maybe it's a is it like does that does that make sense as a question? I like because I, I don't I don't feel that maybe mm. maybe in his other I for example is it pointed do you, do you see that pointing towards anything else that he does afterwards? Is this like is this an oddity in what he's doing? Or is this part or do you feel that this is part of a Bigger I'm, I'm, I'm not sure if I follow, but I think it's like I think part of the conclusion or writes itself into like a lot of other things he's done, like how the he has uh, this speech he has made, I think a year later, and I think the English title would be "Think about your creator in your youth." Um, where he highlights that, and I really, I'm not sure if I got your question, but he says that because, I mean, it's the young guy who gets to do the repetition, right? And in that speech, he says that, and that's published in his own name, <clears throat> that it's the youth that has access to God and can do all these things. Okay. Yeah. I think what I, what I was trying to get at is that when you read... Certain works, if you look at a work in the like trajectory of a writer or thinker, that maybe they are pointing toward that they kind of don't necessarily, that they relate to what's coming in the future and what they're going to write or what they're going to think. And I, I wanted to ask, in this case, do you see any repetitions coming up later on in his work? Or is this kind of weird moment of like mood reflection, or is it going towards? I could be wrong, but I think most of his texts until the last few, um, which are more explicitly religious texts, um, he writes under pseudonyms, um, which is to say that at some level, even if they only have one author or one character or writing voice, um, that there still is some kind of fictional quality to them, fictional or novelistic or aesthetic, um, and that he's constantly playing with this multiplicity. Um, I don't know the end of his authorship very well. The more maybe I don't know, you know, very well. But I think there it's a little more or seen as being a little more him talking. But I think this sort of multiplicity and the the moods that you're talking about, I think that's very much present in the all of his earlier works. And also, I think like the general mechanism of things being both necessary and impossible, <laughs> like just being like his yes his his like central paradoxical claim is like <clears throat> Eck is here, and there's like I think someone told me once about the like hope in a Kierkegaardian sense, extra D in there if you try and make that into an English uh, frame. Um, <laughs> is like hope is only possible when the thing you want is actually going to be impossible. You can only hope for it once. There's no possibility of actually getting it. That's what hope, that's when hope, like when there's no more hope, that's when hope actually exists. Mm. Um, that like an honest hope yeah. that is presupp- presupposes that you don't actually have anything. Like a real one presupposes that you don't actually have anything yeah, to base it on. otherwise you're just expecting it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then similarly, like faith is just a completely different thing to evidence or reasons or like the only reason you have faith in it is because there's complete absence of reasons to believe something. 
Is, so based on that, isn't repetition Sorry, sort of I th- the opposite towards... I think I can maybe answer your question now. <laughs> if it was about the moods and if there was like a coherence. So I think here he writes from a certain mood, which is really clear. Um, I think maybe he becomes more and more like solemn, doesn't he? And mm-hmm. I think he writes more and more to a certain mood yeah. than from it. Mm-hmm. Um, like he will start to write to those who are concerned yeah. and those who are like in a certain mood. Yeah, the sickness unto death, which is later, is yeah, much more this, this serious. Is There's yeah. not the same kind of play happening that mm. is here and not the same kind of... Mm. And there is the lily yeah. in the field and yeah. the birds in the sky. And that is, he writes to the concerned and then mm-hmm. he writes to the despaired. And, but not so much from mm. a position. Mm. Or has a certain, like, has a narrator that is, like... I mean, I think this book is fun because it has, like, the guy telling the story is so fucked up. And I think it becomes more and more neutral. Mm-hmm. Why and don't we talk about how fucked up he is then? Because <laughs> I think that would be fun. Yeah. yeah, he's called, what is it that he's called by the young man? Mentally deranged yeah. or something? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then also you realize that everything the young man says is a projection that the guy is actually making. So it's actually so he's calling himself mentally deranged to another voice. Like he knows how he appears, mm. which is crazy. I mean, it is a crazy plan. So you let's well let's break down. Can we break down what the plan is? Yeah. So because I just want to hear someone else try and explain so it. So the young young poet has realized that. To go any further with this love thing. You're going too fast. <clears throat> right. Young man comes to this guy, is wildly in love. <laughs> uh, this guy is giving us a very vivid description of what this poet looks like, uh, this look, young man. Because he needs to become a poet, not a poet yet. And he needs to become a poet by ditching this woman, a girl. Mm. Um, because like, his love is making him a poet, but it's frustrating his poetry. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Again, another paradox of situations. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he's wildly in love and very beautiful while he's in love. <laughs> and then gradually young man starts to become more and more melancholic mm. and frustrated because what mm. he's doing is recollecting his love and he's already like at the end of his love and remembering it. And so make him go. Um, so he wants out of this situation. Um, and so he comes to Constantina to ask for a, uh, for help and advice and... To much to his surprise, Constantine has a thoroughly detailed plan of how to go about this. That he comes up re- with really fast. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Been waiting for this. Oh, is like, this is their second time a repetition of trying it, um, which involves um, the the young poet uh, becoming more and more distant in the relationship uh, relatively quickly and becoming sort of um, sort of abrasive, rude, uncouth, uh, maybe a little bit, yeah. Awkward in 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 the company, and then he, and then because the important thing is that mm. she needs to dump him, not the other way around. Yeah, 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 exactly. Otherwise, she, he will break her heart, and you won't without on his on his uh, conscience, mm. rather than breaking her heart by thinking that no one could be trusted to be the same person from day to day. Uh, <laughs> and then it's that's also, why I can't do it too fast. Yeah, that's why I can't be too fast. Yeah, mm. and then um, it also involves. Uh, renting an apartment in the city in which uh, Constantinus will put up a young woman from is it a bakery or no she's so oh, she's, yeah, she's, she's, a, yeah, she's a dressmaker dressmaker yeah, yeah. and she um, 
to pretend the to be... The sluttiest of professions, as we all know. <laughs> she can't be too beautiful. She yeah. has to be good-looking, not yeah. too beautiful, though, because yeah. the young girl has to wonder why does he prefer her yeah, 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 to yeah. me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. it's about how that kind of... But, but we know from Constantius that... But she's quite good looking. Because yeah, she's quite good looking. But it's like, but it's again, it is that you need that kind of gaslighty sort of dynamic to it. Um, and and she's she's down because he's offered her like a year's salary just to hang out and to take care of her the rest of his life. Yeah, or the rest of her life, someone's life. Yeah, someone's yeah, a good long time <laughs> in the very least. In those days, depends how old he is. I mean, also she's from a lower social class, so she's probably on the way out anyway. Um, and. Uh, so we're looking at this detailed plan of how to um, slowly convince the woman he loves that he's a kind of scumbag who needs to be uh, ditched. He, he runs away because... He can't do it. He can't, he can't do it because he thinks there's something inherently wrong about all of that. <sighs> so <laughs> I love this plan because what it reveals... Like, it reveals... So, yeah, of course... The guy is mental, but <laughs> there is so much fine thinking within that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there there is yeah. a real like mm-hmm. strong he sees the dynamics. Epic, yeah, and, like he yeah. really does see it so well. Yeah. Like he's like, look, you can't do this because you do you want her, you don't want her to. And then there's there's this real strong power dynamic. Yeah, total asshole. And so basically, the worst situation here is if she. Stays faithful to him, and because then she is has the power dynamic is that like you know she's morally superior to him because she just stays true, and that's as we all know the most terrible thing, terrible thing, terrifying thing that could happen to a guy is is that right that that uh, a beautiful woman would be eternally faithful to you. (laughs) That is of course. That just is, disgusting and terrifying, and so he wants to get rid of that. Obviously, it's, it's very nice like, to, to read the. This is like a background text to brief interviews with hideous men. It's very much like there's like, so much. Deripaska Wallace is inspired by Kierkegaard, mm-hmm. but, like all these kind of little paradoxes that he like has in his writing, and especially that book where it's basically just plots that men have to try and get out of relationships, or like to try and make people think that they should stay in relationships with them, even though they are t- terrible, but find out elaborate justifications for why, and that's okay, and mm-hmm. it's a. Uh, yeah, so yeah. it's nice, nice bit of lineage there. <laughs> but I don't, yeah, the thing that's wonderful or, you know, perversely wonderful about the book is that, again, there's this conflict between the real and the philosophical or reality and the philosophical. So between mm. he's got a relationship problem and then it becomes for this old man the mm. source for his pontifications about <laughs> the nature of existence. Mm. It just has some, like, this guy's just defined by having some super strong opinions about literally everything. (laughs) (laughs) Like, he says some, I'm I'm trying to find all the, I've I've underlined too many things, as usual, and now I can't find anything. But there's, there's all kinds of things about, you know, about the power dynamics and what, like, would be beyond terrible for her for for the woman to for the girl to have done and you know what's 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 uh, what's in her rights to do and it's it's bonkers um but it's it's great at the same time it's just really funny my my, my personal favorite remarks is um it's voiced by the by the young poet but it is of course as we know in the end <laughs> the young poet is is um is constantine so uh when when 
when he remarks that girls normally lack the coherence that are necessary in order for one to either admire or despise a person. A woman is self-deceived even before she deceives anyone else, and therefore one lacks any standard by which to measure her. So I guess in this formulation, are women capable of repetition? No, women aren't. Okay. No, 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 I mean, they're no, not no, capable no. of anything. No. I mean, they barely exist as people, according to that formulation. Of course, we could never, I mean, we could never. No, that's for the men. <laughs> okay. Well, what I, else can we learn? Well, he has some good advice, though, for, for girls, though, don't you think? He says um, <laughs> he's, he's, uh, he's disgusted by the idea that any girl would, would sort of be attracted to a man being interesting. <laughs> oh, yes. Which, you know... It could make sense, but it's, yeah. it says, uh, every time I hear these words in a little miss's mouth, <laughs> I think, you should be ashamed of yourself. It is sad to hear a young girl say such a thing. If a man lost himself in the realm of the interesting, who, other than a young girl, could save him? Is she not also guilty? <laughs> I, I, I do like this, because that's exactly like what an incel forum will say. Like, yeah. like, why are they so into all these guys who are interesting and exciting? I don't understand it. I'm a nice guy. <laughs> I do the same thing every day. But it, it is that language because he also, yeah. tr you know, says um, uh, a young girl should always be careful never to coax forth, forth the interesting. The girl who does this always loses from the perspective of the idea. And I want to ask you guys what on earth the idea is later on. <laughs> um, she loses from the perspective of the idea because the interesting can never be repeated. Mm -hmm. So here's the mm -hmm. problem with the interesting. The girl who does not do this is always victorious. So there is definitely always this language of like yeah, yeah. power yeah. and of conflict. Yeah, yeah. it's the uh, definite, like, yeah, the Stacys are the ones who, uh, you know, they're playing the game. Yeah, man. Yeah, fucking. And then he the says of the young poet, if only he had my intelligence. Yeah. <laughs> 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 The Chad, yeah. I think the Chad Constantinus. <laughs> I think what's like, what's like crazy to me, like conceptually, is like the same problem with the rep with the interesting not being able to be repeated, is the very same thing that makes everything impossible to repeat because all repetitions are, of course, a difference because there's another iteration of the thing. Therefore, there has been more of that thing happening. It's like a there's there's an, a, the reoccurrence is is a difference because it. Like it, what, the third time of something isn't the second time. Differences adheres in, in the concept. And so it's the same problem of the interesting. If you think it's interesting, something repeats. Yeah. But the repetition is an inwards thing, right? Not an outwards thing. And it's about not becoming a stoic, but almost. Yeah, but that's why I think it's a very weird um, conceptual frame because it's so much about, it's about more like constants than it is repetition. Mm, yeah. But yeah, but again, if you take it back to that like initial thing of the Eleatics, it's just like okay, mm. well, one thing, one way that we could think about constants is just repeating mm. being the same person over and over again. Yeah, but like <laughs> because every if every moment the 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 you mm. being constant is just a series of repetitions of you being constant. If if you think about it in in terms mm. of that int intentionality. Well, yeah, so, so certainly a series of iterations, but I don't know if it's. The repetition like sort of implies a kind of a finite unitness that can reoccur. But the the problem, yeah. So the problem is time, right? Yeah, that's just it's always a fucking problem. problem. <laughs> yeah. But it doesn't. 
I, I think I, I listened to like some Melvin Bragg thing about this. <laughs> I, I did hear this connected to Heidegger's being in time as as, right. as Kierkegaard being kind of an influencer, an inspiration mm. to this kind of thinking. So like, yeah. it is uh, fundamentally, it's like the problem is just time. Yeah. Hmm. Um, which is interesting because you'd you'd think that mm. to some degree, like, for all his hating Hegel, Hegel is also kind of about time as well, right? Yeah, but then that, that might be actually a good point to talk about if someone knows more about Hegel than I do. But I think, well, for... <laughs> well, Speaking I'm not saying of, I do, no, no. I don't, I don't, I don't, no, I, no, I don't know as much about Hegel as you do, Sharon. <laughs> I do think with Kierkegaard, there's, like, a sort of... I don't know, maybe you would call it existential real life aspect, which is why he was picked up in the 20th century by psychologists and like existential psychology became yeah. a thing that there is something about this. The problem of time for him is a problem of also how do we exist mm. or go to go about our day to day lives, yeah. um, which is in here. So what do you do? Is it possible to have any moment where you're not either recollecting or thinking about the great moments of the past or thinking or hoping for something in the future. Is it possible to have that sort yeah. of moment where you're, where and, you're just in yeah, the, in the middle? A, for Kierkegaard, it's about the lived life as well, right? Yeah. Because he has in one of his books, and now I don't remember which one, but it might be Sickness Unto Death, where he says this thing about Hegel that you have built a castle, but you've dug yourself down and he wants you, he wants him to like live in this castle, but he hasn't, he's just created this like systemic world that he's not yeah. really mm. in. Mm. And in that book, it's sort of, it's all about how being about a kind of authenticity or being yourself or in coherence with Becoming yourself. Becoming a subject. Because, or, yeah, yeah. Which is activity. It is, um, as with repetition and a complete impossibility, really, that you can be yourself or have the sensation that you are you're you are a coherent self and that's what god i guess ends up offering or being the only way to get that uh solution in the yeah because one of the again i've lost the page but i do remember it uh one of the definitions that he gives and i think it's constantinus who gives of repetition is that it is transcendence yeah. so it is a it is supposed to be the way of like mm. Squaring that circle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that repeating circle. So, which is also to say that it, it won't work or you can't find it by just taking a vacation again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which I guess really would have saved um, Michelle Wilbeck writing platform if he'd read this more thoroughly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to think of what this reminds like, does it, like, what it reminds me of in other work, but... I was thinking a little bit of, um, have you read Tom McCarthy's Remainder? Yeah, no. No, I've not I've read the, the books by him. <laughs> it's, 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 it's my, it's my favourite one of his. I hear it's I actually a good dislike one. because it's quite intensely. <laughs> <laughs> because I think it's the one which uses, the, sorry, it's the one in which he is less like just yeah. talking about theory the entire time. Yeah. But it, it's about someone who's had an accident and mm. who just obsesses over recreating things. Mm. And part of the question is like, what on earth is he recreating? Are all those things real? But that's the second time I hear Tom McCarthy mentioned uh, with, with Kierkegaard. Because when yeah. we did the podcast on what book was it? Saturn Island. Saturn Island, Snorri told us that it yeah. reminded him of Fear and Trembling. Yeah. And the whole leap of faith. Yeah, yeah. Actually, that was... 
Yeah, and Snorri was well into Kyoko, so that, mm. that kind of kind of took a took a we took a leap of faith on on his uh, on his reading. <laughs> um, yeah, I think yeah, but of course that's also the thing. Like Tom McCarthy, as you say, demonstrates quite well that he's read theory. Um, but I think that's also an interesting thing. I think I maybe want to try and pick up the reminder at some point. Reminder, reminder, <laughs> the reminder. <laughs> <laughs> it's about recollecting. Um, <laughs> Actually, it's about forgetting. Uh, um, <clears throat> okay, like, I think, think the yeah. Young Poets Letter okay. from the 11th of October, I think... Oh, <laughs> yeah, please look it up. I think, isn't that when he totally despairs, just before he finds himself yeah. in God? He's going like, where's the... Um, really where's God? Why am I here? Uh, please stop this. Who can I complain oh. to? Yes, I cannot um, endure my life any longer. Exactly, I loathe existence. Um... Where is the, not conductor, but another thing, um, all these questions, and for him it's completely empty. Isn't that like a forerunner of uh, this absurd theatre and Samuel Beckett? I think this idea, especially the the way this begins with this image, one sticks his finger in the ground in order to judge where he is. I stick my finger in existence. It feels like nothing. Mm. <laughs> I think that sentiment was extremely important for yeah. <laughs> French existentialism. And, and, yeah, yeah, and for Beckett. <laughs> yeah. Definitely that sort of, yeah. yeah. What is the world? Yeah. What does it mean? Yeah. And of course, who has duped me? <laughs> and of course, finding God simply means reading the reading the wedding announcements and and the girl getting married and they're like, "There's mm. God! Love There's God. the grace yeah. of God!" Mm. Um, the thunderstorm. No, what is it there? The thunderstorm. Mm, the thunder. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yeah, certainly. But what do do we do? We get any more insights into that whole absurdist maneuver? No. I don't know. We get nothing. <laughs> we get. <laughs> we're just left with the uh, the poet staring into his own. But maybe place. it's worth it going back to. Or I am thinking of what Charlie said before about moods, mm. and that this is a sort of the mood of despair mm. is something which I guess in the twentieth century a number of people find productive or interesting to inhabit. I mean, that's we could or say that that's what Becca be does. Yes, or inevitable. <laughs> I believe you actually have some expertise on the notion of despair in the 20th century having something to... <laughs> Shouldn't have gone there. <laughs> some people, some people in the 20th century thought it was productive. But, uh... Oh, you know, I was wrong. It, it is, I think it is the young poet who says uh, it's transcendent. But it's actually oh, interesting. I have this a little theory because there's a book by Toby Ditliusen called Gift where um, it's a memoir and it's just a tiny line and this is kind of my own little conspiracy theory about it because most people don't think that she actually read Kierkegaard because she said that or always said that she wasn't very well educated even though she read a lot but there's a line in it where she's just going it's she's like just been married and is doing the daily grocery shopping and she goes into a supermarket and sticks her finger into a piece of meat <laughs> and then just feels this sort of complete despair at <laughs> grocery shopping and doing these domestic tasks mm -hmm. and it's almost it's the same formulation mm -hmm. um, actually which is it's kind of this interesting and I mean who knows if there's any sort of actual influence or she's thinking of him or anything like that but it's interesting that this gesture of sticking the finger in something to try and see where you are, and in this case, it's this sort of like grand. So when we talked about thing. this a couple of oh, months we? ago, you <laughs> asked me, "Is that the one where he sticks his finger <laughs> yeah, into the ground?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for our international listeners, it's worth remembering that this absurdism has gone for a long time, since already the word "gift" in Danish means both both marriage 
and poison. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think that, that one of the footnotes in here makes reference to that. Um, um, he also... So, going back to Gift, though, his project, the, 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 the young poet's project, as I've understood it, as, as he defines it towards the end, is that he wants to become a husband. It seems like he kind of doesn't know what he wants at first, at mm. least, and but maybe that, that's that, the yeah, problem. Why is that what he latches on to that, to the idea he wants to be a husband? Yeah, which I guess he knows requires him... Requires the constants, <laughs> requires actually, you know, yeah. not just recollecting. Yeah. So I guess in either or, at least. But it, it seems maybe like it's one of the possible ways to to live mm. um, is that you could choose God or you could choose marriage um, and those are or you could like keep or poetry, do, or poetry keep going with the, the aesthetic <laughs> um, but like you were saying before that I think the marriage is kind of the, the ethical way mm. or one of the ethical ways um, mm. of living it's not quite as good as God no um, but better than poetry <laughs> but better than poetry <laughs> It's so fucking basic that you're in the <laughs> what, if, what if you're all three? I mean, what if you're... Uh, what if you're a married poet who's into God? <laughs> yeah. yeah. You, 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 you're, you're being inconstant in some sense of that. <laughs> I'm trying to think who's had all three. I was thinking Jared Manley Hopkins, but he's a Catholic, so he definitely wasn't married. <laughs> <laughs> married to God, they do say. Yeah, that's creepy. When did we start? We started. We started fifty-five minutes ago. Okay, so we should round up. Yeah, I mean, unless anyone's got any. Uh... Hello, everyone. Welcome to our books today. We're going to. Talk about <laughs> <laughs> I said. Oh! <laughs> we're not actually going to start this. <laughs> we're, we're, gonna this we're, we're doing this every day until you give in to our demands. <laughs> Macon, would you <laughs> repeat reading here? You go after this book. Um, yes. I like the length at which he writes. It's not that long. Um, and you get, I like, I mean, as frustrating as it is, it, it, it's very nice to be presented with a series of paradoxical things that are also requirements for existing. It's just a nice reminder that uh, clean systems of thinking uh, tend to have little to no application compared to things that don't quite make sense. So, yeah, I'd repeat reading Kierkegaard. What about you, Charlie? Well, I repeated it twice. I think I'll, I might, I'll probably go for a third. Um, for the third time on this one, um, after this. But I definitely, I definitely want to read more. Uh, what would you guys, what should I read after this? Don't my next one? just feel it. What's I would say one? either or. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But definitely start from the, <laughs> I would say start from the, the beginning because that's more fun and then it gets, yeah. it gets a little... Well, not, mm. I don't want to say boring, mm. but... <laughs> but not unboring either. <laughs> well, it's either, there's so many options, or it's or, it's so uh, limited. What about you? Well, you have read everything, Sherry. No, oh my gosh, no. No, not everything. Is everything translated to English, though? I think, is yes. I, yeah. not Maybe not everything, but there's a project which is actually based here in Copenhagen, mm-hmm. um, where... They're, they actually have put pretty much everything online in the original uh-huh. Danish, and I think they're working yeah. on getting they, I think the they English. Have everything now. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think if not all of the English has been translated already, I think it's in the process of it. And I know that there are some um, English 
speaking scholars at the Kihugo Center here that are working on a kind of complete edition, I think. So, okay, yeah, but you will continue, right? <laughs> I will, I will continue. And I think, you know, I, I have to say at first I was a little, we have reading it this time around after I've been a Kihugo fanatic for a while. Um, and I was initially a little bit like, uh, wow, there are parts of this book that are a little annoying. All of the but it's like so short, women no. hating. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but I, I think it's just the way that it just allows for so much conversation. So I think we all came in a little, mm. maybe not all so jazzed on it, but I mean, this was, yeah. there's just so much here. And I feel like yeah, there's so much we could keep talking about. And that's. That's why I think I would I would repeat <laughs> the we, experience. We will off mic and you won't be able to hear it, you <laughs> scoundrels. You lucky people. <laughs> we will be back in wait, February. Wait, 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 yeah, wait, wait, wait. What about you? you yeah. But I am going to continue reading. <laughs> <laughs> I have an exam. I have to. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so this was all revision all along. <laughs> A kind of recollection, we, if you will. Much of this bad face. But in February, we will be back. Yes. And Macon, uh, what are we going to read? We're going to read My Year of Rest and Relaxation by an author whose name I've forgotten. Otessa Musfake. There we go. Okay, well, there we go. That's that. That's that. What's it about? Um, uh, it's about uh, spending half a year in bed. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I've not read this book yet. Ah, <laughs> uh, but Merry Christmas and other things for those who don't celebrate Christmas. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. <laughs> political correct. It's gone mad. <laughs> no, it's better. Also, winter new- solstice. <laughs> I kind of I prefer just the whole notion of New Year's rather than actually the day itself. <laughs> but thank you. Cheers. <laughs>